Hello one and all and welcome to this episode of the Gaming Podcast. This week I am joined by Mia. Hello, hello. Everyone's favourite streamer. And uh, making his podcast debut uh, is the lovely Alex Taylor. Hello. Aspiring video game artiste. Woo. (laughs) (laughs) And you can tell it's a Monday morning. (laughs) Um, This is obviously the Gaming Podcast, uh, Gaming Magazine's own podcast. And you can check out more from Gaming Magazine by visiting gamingmag, G-A-Y-M-I-N-G, mag.com. Remember that new episodes of the Gaming Podcast come out every two weeks. If you are new to the podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss another episode. A quick shout out, obviously, to Matt Cameron, who sat in for me last uh, episode um, while I was going through my little... That you did, yeah, while you were uh, pretending to be sick off playing Lego games. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I was sick. Um, But now I'm back. Um, So big thank you to Matt. And um, also a big exciting uh, shout out to the competition winners, um, people that have got their hands on the three-month Xbox Ultimate Game Passes. Mm -hmm. Um, Another competition will be coming up very soon, but not in this episode. So, sorry everyone. I'm disappointed now. I'll I'll, I'll have a quick ask around and see what I can get rustled up for the next episode. Um, On the show this week, uh, we are talking about loads of fun stuff. Um, There was some big news that happened over the weekend. Obviously, we had um, uh, Final Fantasy Remakes demo came out today. Yes, yes, it did. Yes, it did. Which which me is, we are honored with your presence to even be here. Yeah, I was on the train um, on my way up and I I saw it pop on, on Twitter and I'm like, should I get off the train and just go home now? Because <laughs> I need to play this demo. Like just I'm jonesing wrong. here. I yeah. have I have some kind of addiction. <laughs> I you know my whole life recently has just been Final Fantasy VII. So yeah. And we talked about um, we didn't even talk about anything on Friday. Obviously there was the uh, huge announcement that a new DLC is coming to Borderlands 3. Yes, there which is. Which is a mm-hmm. gay marriage. Yes, or, or marriage, super exciting. As, as we probably should call it by now. Um, but a marriage between two of the awesome male characters mm-hmm. in that. Uh, we ran a gr- really quick story on that. We're lo- hoping to get some good uh, interviews and content done uh, with 2K and Gearbox Ooh, about that. That's so exciting. So I'm saying that now, so it's on record. Very cool. <laughs> so, yeah. so 2K now have to do that. Um, that's how that works, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You just you say something on a podcast. Say it loud it, enough on a podcast. That's a contractual obligation and, at that and point. And they're signed up to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically then this is that has informed our hot topic this week, which is we're going to be talking about our favorite LGBT couples in games. Yes, yes, yes. So that's Very coming up excited. later on. Um, as always, our opening segment is called What's in Your Slot? This is where I ask each guest to talk about the game they're enjoying playing at the moment. Uh, I'm going to kick off. Um, I was having it a bit retro over the weekend again uh, with Grand Theft Auto V. Retro. Bit retro. retro? Yeah. Grand Theft Auto V is oh, retro? Right, right, okay. <laughs> what, what, what I it? suppose. It's, it's nearly it is seven years it's old. It's older than I like to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah it's, it's, mm-hmm. When is retro? That's a good question. I mean, does the hmm, I, I I appreciate like the, anything from maybe like two console generations ago, maybe. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. okay. So I'm just out of date then. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. You're a little so bit I'm, ahead of okay, the, so the curve. I, I, I was playing something out of date uh, this weekend, which is Grand Theft Auto V, and some would actually say it is out of date because of the humor and everything else in it. Mm, obviously, Grand yeah, Theft true. Auto does come with a little unique sort of set of challenges around some of its humor usage and challenges to not just the LGBT community, but also nearly every other community out there. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I think they have a really good sort of 
uh, handle on the kind of what I call the family guy rule, which is they needle everyone. Yeah, they're, that, an, e- they're an equal opportunity insulter. That's true. That equal opportunity criticism. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so various communities all get it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that maybe the left cops a bit and the right certainly cops a bit. That's the kind of balance I appreciate. That's yeah. it, exactly. <laughs> insult it's, it's, everyone. Yeah, yeah exactly. If, you, if you're going to insult people, you insult everyone. Yeah. Because that way people can't be insulted for not being insulted. Okay. <laughs> uh, I got myself lost in that sentence. <laughs> um, anyway, I was playing Grand Theft Auto V at the weekend. And it made it sort of got me thinking a bit about how can... Because obviously the, we're expecting a Grand Theft Auto Six announcement this year. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that reaction sort of says that although... Although we, we know there's been some troublesome moments with Grand Theft Auto, we are sort of big enough and ugly enough to sort of, in this instance, still look forward to what is a fantastic sort of game series. Mm-hmm. And there you can still derive some humor out of it and still you can still get some pleasure out of playing it. Yeah, I always feel like it like uh, sets a precedent for like any game that's supposed to come out after that. Because even when uh, Grand Theft Auto V came out, I mean, looking back at it now, I mean, it's nothing special to look at mm. but at the time those trailers were were gorgeous yeah. that kind of like mm. storytelling as well with the three different characters yep. that Absolutely. hadn't really been seen before like true and it hasn't been seen i mean i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna get shouted down it hasn't been seen much since i i can't think of any other game that's actually done that that allows you to like switch those characters on the fly <laughs> yeah on the fly uh, it's the it's the on the fly bit that's the interesting bit, and and it's it's not just the fact that it's on the fly; it's the fact that you are you are going back into their lives. Mm-hmm. That character has lived on. Yeah, like it continues without because you. Mm-hmm. If if you were playing as one of the main characters and you left him somewhere mm. and then zoomed off to go and see another one, if you came back ten minutes later, Do or in, in in games probably three hours later. Yeah. He might have driven down to the beach or something. Yeah. He could have gotten a burrito at the burrito stand, you know. <laughs> kind of reminds me of The Sims when you just forget about a sim and then you find it again. They're just drowning dying, drowning. Yeah. yeah. Well, usually <laughs> mine are trapped in a, a very small room and they can't <laughs> escape. But yeah, so I know what they're doing at all times. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say you can control every single one of your yeah. sim if you put them in a room and take the doors away. My my sims is always prison simulator. So <laughs> <laughs> and there's an insight into Mia's brain everywhere. Um. No, so I was, I was thinking about diversity, obviously, and, and I wondered whether something as simple as retaining that three-player uh, concept, mm-hmm. just make one of them a woman. Yeah, no, that would definitely help. I mean, just I've have one female. I, mean, I was going to say same. protagonist, but I guess they're an antagonist, but a, a main character. Yeah, anti-heroes, yeah. maybe, I Who's, guess. Yeah, because it's always a bit blurred, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. some of the sort of stuff they're doing is fighting back against sort of evil capitalism and big businesses and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So it's not an inherently bad thing. Bad uh, guys taking down bad guys, I guess. Yeah, so. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, having a female character, having just a bit of authenticity in, in that one. I, mean, I, I would definitely, I, I'd definitely like to see that. I mean, I definitely want to see that system come back where you have multiple playable characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's no real excuse not to give an option to have a female playable character. I mean, I'd like to see like some kind of representation of um, women being potential badasses, you know? That's it, exactly, like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Having, having, a, having a criminal, and use that in the sort of, Mm. more sort of dramatic kind of way mm. um, as a sort of fully fledged badass woman mm-hmm. that sounds awesome yeah. and I'm surprised to be honest with you it hasn't been done before Yeah, I'm super surprised it hasn't been done before and then you know you want to make that character either bi or a lesbian and then we can actually you know be gay do crimes <laughs> exactly yeah yeah 
I mean, like Saints Row, like since the start, they I'm pretty sure since the first one, it's just been female customization for your main character. Like mm-hmm. you can just play it as a woman. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd, I'd like to make some sort of customization, but with a, a proper narrative, that'd be fun. I don't know if I I wonder if they will attempt to um, go back to the three three person narrative, or maybe they'll just stick with one person again. It felt like an experiment to them, but I feel like everyone really loved it so hopefully it comes back I, I think it worked really well and i think for some of the more sort of uh technical heists yeah where three characters had their own skill sets and, and you had to play all three at yeah. the same time and sometimes you chose which one to play but sometimes mm. it forced you you had to swap to this one it now felt, to do it felt way more thing. cinematic in some absolutely way, yeah. and, and i think it sort of comes full circle back to what you said to me about the the original sort of trailers of it, it Taking away the humor, taking away the sort of contention and the contentiousness around some of the storylines, yeah. purely as a technical exercise, Grand Theft Auto has always been pushing that envelope. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. going back to I mean, San Andreas, that was the, the biggest in-game map mm. ever at the time. And it's, it's not, and, and I, I guess it's Rockstar as a whole, because obviously then Red Dead 2, where mm, yeah. you, you live crazy. in a, just ridiculous size. And, and again, sort of the... I, th- I think, as you said, the sort of cinematic trailers and, and that sort of thing for Grand Theft Auto V, the, 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 the depth of field, the, the sort of detail of, mm. of the recreation of L.A. was just... Oh, yeah. I mean, having uh, lived in um, Los Angeles for a couple of months, it was so weird because it actually came out when I was living over there. Yeah. I think it was the September of that year or something like that. And it was, it was so odd to be like driving around these streets in Grand Theft Auto Five that I literally like walked down <laughs> the same day. Yeah. And it was like this, this, it's obviously it's not a one-to-one recreation yeah. because like it's more of a like compacted- Mini version. Mini version, yeah. The mini, that's not the word. More miniaturized yes. version. I, I I do words good, yeah. Mini, <laughs> mini is fine. Mini is fine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that was where my brain was this weekend, um, enjoying a bit of gay, uh, being gay and doing crimes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, that should be something to look forward to. Oh, and one last thing is obviously with Grand Theft Auto, sometimes, not so much in five, but definitely in um, four and San Andreas, they had a lot, quite a few dating options. Yes, yes, and they did. That's true. You never had to pursue them. It, they weren't really that intrinsic to the story. So why not just chuck a couple of same same-sex dating mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. And I think if it did anything more than that, and I'm not saying that we should be sort of bowing down to our sort of straight overlords, but I think it would lose the magic of Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. if, if it tried to be too aware. I think, you know, just, just have the freedom to let the uh, the player character just, just yeah. make their own decisions, yeah, you know? exactly. It's like if you want to experience yourself as as that character unless it comes down to like being part of the narrative where you're married or something like mm-hmm. that then like it was in grand theft auto mm. 5 then i don't see any reason why that wouldn't be an option absolutely but game. again you're only talking about one of the three characters being married yeah exactly. and I think that was the strength of having a three character system mm-hmm. is mm. if if they put it back to one lead character, mm-hmm. he is inevitably. I say, I just said he already. Yeah. He inevitably mm-hmm. is going to be a. Straight, well, that's the precedent at the moment. Gonna be a straight, it's going to be a straight male mm-hmm. because that's just how Grand Theft Auto is going to have to work. So I guess the nice thing as well by like having those different characters is that you have those different perspectives exactly. from those different walks of life yeah. too. So yeah, why not you know follow yeah. that through line? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Alex, what have you been playing? <laughs> Um, most recently, I've been playing a little bit of Overwatch still. 
I say little, it's been a lot. I don't know why I'm still playing it. It's been how many years now? Probably the same as Grand Theft Auto, right? Did they come out near the same time? Uh, it's been so long. <laughs> Overwatch has been three or four years now. Yeah, that was um, more like uh, 2017. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, Alex, sorry, carry on with Overwatch. Yeah, um, I've, I've just been playing that still. I... It's it's gone a little bit stagnant at the moment. I feel like maybe they're just saving supplies up for uh, Overwatch Two when that's coming out, uh, like saving saving characters or whatever, saving dev time. I, I feel like a lot of the devs have moved over to that game as well. Well, how are to you to work on that game? Are you excited for Overwatch Two and because there's a story, or are you excited for Overwatch I, Two just to keep running around shooting people? I mean both, <laughs> but I don't know what to think about it yet. I really want to wait for more info. It looks amazing. Mm. Um, because they've, they've pretty much updated, like, the engine, sort of, even though you can still do cross-play. Um, Narrative-wise, I think what they've spoke about so far is, I don't know if it'll be, even be all the characters, but there will be, like, specific missions, which will hopefully have, like, custom animations and stuff like that, um, where the characters will... You, you'll see part of their story. I don't know what time period it will be in. It might be, like, past, present. There's still a lot that I'm waiting on. To, to get fully invested, they, I feel like um, I feel like they've marketed it marketed it in a way where people aren't sure what's going on because they they've been pretty uh, clear. Like you'll have the same characters as Overwatch Two, however many we make, you'll still be able to play them Overwatch One. Mm. You can play with people from Overwatch Two, so why buy Overwatch Two? It's a very odd situation. Yeah. yeah. I feel like then there needs to be a little bit more transparency yeah. there in order to Definitely. to uh, offer, you know. But it doesn't feel like a natural mm. It's it's next very game, unique. Does it? What what's going to be interesting and what I'm keeping my eye out for is obviously Overwatch is heralded as kind of having its LGBT characters, but yeah. Only in, only in comic. Not in the actual Correct. game. <laughs> only in a comic retcon kind of way. It's very so annoying. He, so here's the interesting thing, is if Overwatch 2 are bringing a story in... Are, How gay is it going to be? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Are they going to commit to having either Soldier 76 or Tracer or whoever having a gay storyline? Or at least having a... Even voice lines. Just an acceptable... Any sort of mm-hmm. interaction. Yeah, exactly. Just even a nod in-game. Like... Because at the moment, this is living on the periphery. The LGBT stuff is Absolutely. over here, mm-hmm. away from the game. Yes. It's all ancillary content, which yeah, is exactly. super frustrating. Um, unfortunately, the way I see it is that uh, I, I don't have the faith in Blizzard to mm-hmm. incorporate that into their the actual main series at this moment in time. Past evidence has kind of proven that they've yeah. missed the mark on that yeah. a bunch, especially if, if they're still going after, you know, uh, a certain market, you know, the Asian market. Mm-hmm. Um, then it really doesn't give them any kind of incentive to yeah. to place those kind of stories in into the game. Well, they're also sort of it's, it's the Asian market, but it's also the esports world. Yeah, mm-hmm. because because Overwatch is recognised as one of the sort of the main esports mm-hmm. games. It's already a bit gay in terms of, but only in the sort of non non game environment in the sort mm-hmm. of supporting literature. Yeah, if they made it a bit too gay in game, we well, can't get too gay. But you know what I mean. If, <laughs> if, if they made it sort of more gay in game, 
um, you're going to get all the sort of the esports world going to kick off, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, from my personal experience with Overwatch, I used to love playing Overwatch for a little bit, but then I found the the, the player base so incredibly oh, yeah. toxic. Yeah, I, exactly. I play with everything muted now. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> kind of have to. I, I, I'm just in my own little bubble, yeah. Yeah. avoiding yep. everything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't play many, um, you know, online games like with other people yeah. in terms of like multiplayer out in like... And, and just playing on pubs. Like, if I'm going to play a game like that, I will play with friends. But, like, yeah. um, Overwatch is probably one of the only experiences that I had where that the, the level of toxicity and, like, the the hate speech that I got yeah. um, was yeah. a, definitely put me off the, exactly. the game. So yeah. mm. What else have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Two Point Hospital a little bit and Slime Rancher as well. I, I did a talk recently on Slime Rancher because I did it for my um, dissertation at uni. Um, looking at retention mechanics in Slime Rancher, so I had to replay it even more. Oh no, what a shame! Um, <laughs> For the non-techs in the room, me um, <laughs> retention mechanics. Um, so usually you'd measure it. It'd be more like MMOs and free-to-play games. I'd measure player retention um, through oh, like, okay. like basically how many how many people play my game, how yep. long are they playing for, are they spending money, that sort of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, but it's it's still really useful to look at for um, not free-to-play games like normal games as well, obviously, because players are going to keep playing your game, you're going to get more money, um, that sort of stuff. So I was looking at Slime Ranch because it's a simulation game, mm-hmm. and the simulation games in general are just time sinks. They're just designed to make players constantly keep playing, yeah. so... I was just looking at Slime Rancher and what sort of things it does to, to keep you constantly playing. I, I was going to say, like, that, that's that actually quite interesting because there's no kind of, like, monetization practices within no, that game, is no, there? So. Not, not in-game. But even then, like, um, like the map at the start, you can even think of... I think Stardew Valley does this as well-ish, where, like, things will be gated off until you spend a certain amount of money. Like with the, the ranch that you have to buy... It's, it's gated off that way where there's parts of the map or parts of your ranch that's that's behind gates you have to pay money to, mm. but um, you're not, you know, you're not paying a, a currency that's, you know, exchanged for real money or whatever. Yeah. It's purely for fun, <laughs> purely to like... I, I'm not allowed to play simulation games. Oh. Um, <laughs> my, my bank manager told me to stop playing simulation games. Wow. He didn't, but I. <laughs> but mostly because I, I lost one Christmas. I, lo- I lost an awful lot of time and a fair bit of money mm. into one of the city building uh, simulators. Um. I don't think it was SimCity. I think it was the other one. Is it like on, on mobile? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And it was very much a case of I'm impatient. Yeah. And I think the game knows that I'm impatient. Yeah. So, yeah. You, can, you can speed up this construction for. Yeah. Did you become a whale? Is that what <laughs> happened? <laughs> I was like, every five fucking minutes. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy some new gems. Oh. And then I think it was Chris, my partner, who at one point went, you know, you spent about 50 quid on that game. Mm. I'm like, shit, this needs to be deleted. Yeah. Yeah. I've lost yeah. too much of my time yeah. and far too much money into something. And I give too much of a shit about what's happening in this game that yeah. I do in my life at the moment. <laughs> I'd say those um, those practices are definitely they they seem to be so predatory as well. Yes, for like, sure, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how does that? Aff- do you know how that affects it, uh, retention or what predatory practices? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like your loot boxes, your like your, yeah. your time gated, you know, uh, payment options. I know it, it definitely puts people off, but at the same time, most people won't care and will mm. spend the money and. 
Yeah. That's um, kind of depressing. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it was just interesting how a lot of those stuff seems to be stemmed from simulation games, but then just extra evil added to it to uh, <laughs> so so people can make money. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, Slime Rancher's been great. So play Slime Rancher. Yeah, please play it. It's, it's a nice one. You, friend, you don't pay money in game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does look super cute. Yeah. I mean, like aesthetically, it looks yeah. very, very yeah. cute. Another retention mechanic right there. Mm. <laughs> Cuteness. Mia, what have you been playing? Oh, I've been, I, well, same as last week. I have been on that Final Fantasy VII grind. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a long game. It's a real long yeah. game. I'm like, I made it to like mid disc two now, so I've I've done, I've done, I've done quite a bit in that in that short period, a couple of weeks in that in that period of time. How many discs is it? Is it three or uh, the original is three discs? Oh. Uh, like on the PlayStation One, it was a, a three disc game, but like a, a lot of that is is. There's actually not as much on the second disc, as far mm-hmm. as I know, that there is on the first disc, because like the first disc, you have an entire city to explore in, in Midgar, and then after that, it all kinds of like calms down a little bit. But I haven't just been playing that. Um, obviously, uh, I'll be playing the Final Fantasy VII <laughs> remake demo as soon as it, you know, as soon as I get back today. Um, get the demo, get the get the demo down. Yes. And, uh, just lose the rest of your day on there. Streaming yeah. it tonight, definitely, definitely. Stream's um, going to be amazing. Mm, well, hopefully, <laughs> I know, like I'm super worried about the the, the combat system, but it's um, oh true. Can't remember the 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 guy's name, but it's the uh, designer who worked on Kingdom Hearts Two that battle system. Oh, so apparently, yes. it's it's promising oh, yeah but i've never played i'm excited a kingdom hearts game other than the first one and i wasn't that big of a fan unfortunately <laughs> so um also i've been dipping my toes uh back into pokemon alpha sapphire mm-hmm. like i bought it at launch and I, I just never played it because i don't know by that point i guess i i was a little bit tired of pokemon plus i think smash brothers came out on the same day so like mm. i kind of like fell to the wayside but um pokemon bank released recently so I was like, well, I need to get all my Pokemon that I put in Pokemon Alpha Sapphire out of there <laughs> and into Pokemon Bank. But the only problem with that is um, I need to complete Alpha Sapphire first. <laughs> so because like uh, there's a bunch of legendaries in there that I super really want. And uh, yeah, and then I can, you know, bring those across. Um, but that's a, a really weird situation mm. with Pokemon Bank. Have you have you done anything with that yet yourself? Um, so I don't play Pokemon. <gasps> Terrible. So Terrible. I, I feel a slight fraud for even sitting in this chair. No, um, that's okay. But all, the only thing I played was, was Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. That was more out of a fitness thing. I mean, that works too. To get me out of the house and that sort of thing. You can you can transfer stuff but from Pokemon yeah, Go to Pokemon Bank. Even then, I started sort of like wandering around collecting these things. But mm-hmm. I have no strong feelings over who I was collecting, why mm. I was collecting it, and why I needed to bother leveling them up. I think a huge part of the Pokemon franchise now is based on nostalgia, mm. which is like a big thing, a big selling point. And from like the outside looking in, if you're like jumping into it, I mean, it's a fine game. But I, you know, when Sword and Shield came out, I've got multiple problems with Sword and Shield. Yeah. I mean, going back to Alpha Sapphire, kind of like put a, like a, a pin yeah. in what those problems Spot actually on. are. Yeah, I've been um, I've been writing a script recently for uh, basically the reasons why uh, Game Freak is taking Pokemon in the the wrong direction mm-hmm. recently, and uh, that's kind of a doozy. My main point was that I'm just hoping 
game design was super lacking in Sword and Shield. So I'm hoping that future iterations of the franchise, it, it, it's, it doesn't become this zombified corpse of yeah. what it was just based on nostalgia because that would, that, would, that would suck. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but that's, uh, it's, it's te- kind of upsetting. But yeah. But then again, we've got uh, Pokemon Sleep coming out too. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I have this no is, idea. This is where I think that if Pokemon hadn't already jumped the shark, then mm-hmm. this is the one where they're well over its head now. I think they jumped the shark years That's ago. That's what I mean. The... <laughs> they, they probably jumped it a long time ago, but I think this we're, we're off into the world of the strange and the bizarre now. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm, this is like gaming your sleep is just. And for those people that don't know what Pokemon mm-hmm. Sleep is, it's my understanding of it is it's similar to Pokemon Go in the way that you go around collecting stuff. And then walking in Pokemon Go is what gives you the um, evolutions and the power-ups. And that the sort candy of and stuff. Yes. Uh, with sleep, it's sleeping well that gives, yeah. that gives the same result. And that's just a bit creepy. A little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a wellness app, at the, uh, yeah, basically. I, I, but yeah, like, and I guess I've just sat here and said that Pokemon Go, the only reason I played it was because of the walking around. <laughs> so I suppose you'd play Pokemon Sleep to try and encourage good, good healthy sleeping patterns. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of us need that sometimes as well. Like, Particularly like, in the gaming world. Yeah. I mean, sort of staying up late yeah. until sort of like the early hours, staring at a small screen mm-hmm. and then trying to sleep straight away afterwards is never the healthiest way of enjoying one's sleep. I think that there's something to be said about like gamification of like lifestyle choices and mm, stuff like that too. Um, in terms of like like tracking things and and being able to set manageable goals for yourself, I mean it's it's definitely helpful. And if you can wrap something cute and collectible, yeah, exactly. It, if you can have that yeah. aesthetic, keep that retention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, we paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's definitely helpful, and it's uh, it's nice that um, Nintendo seems to be the main company that's, that's true. Yeah, that's, that wants to do it's that. promoting you know? mm-hmm. healthiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's annoying though. I want one. I want an app where it's just being unhealthy, getting rewarded for being unhealthy. Because Pokemon Go, I hardly go outside, so I can't get Pokemon. <laughs> My sleep schedule's terrible, so I'm not going to get anything else there. But well it's done. You ate, you, you ate twenty Kit Kats today. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, you powered up with that, yeah. that box of 80 chicken nuggets. Mm, <laughs> that popcorn chicken box. <laughs> I will say, like, bringing it back to, like, again, wellness stuff. Ring Fit Adventure. Oh, yeah. Ring Fit Adventure. I still amazing. don't have that. And I'm yeah. so annoyed because I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was... That At a reasonable price. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that is a perfect example of gamification mm-hmm. in, into health. I mean, that's just... It, the, the, the cleverness of it is it takes the kind of we fit stuff to mm-hmm. like the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only from obviously as someone that probably is not overly familiar with what a gym looks like. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of very much the case of like, if you can tell me it's part of the game, if I have to run to power up or if I have mm-hmm. to run to do some stuff or I have to bend and stretch and fight and whatever else, then that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, but, sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry, but to, to also then not just the sort of the exercise bit, but to also build in rewards mm-hmm. and part part of the game is around doing your stretches, resting, yeah. hydrating, mm-hmm. those sort of things at the same time, that's where it took it to the next level for me. Well, going off what you basically just said, actually uh, uh, made something occur to me too, is that uh, for a lot of uh, LGBT people, mm. uh, potentially like more, more likely trans people, mm. um, going out to a gym yep. 
Like the idea of that is is a terrifying notion. Mm -hmm. Like putting yourself out there, like having alternatives that you can do at home, having a video game that will encourage like exercise and stuff like that is 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 a fantastic option to have. Now if only I could get it, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Nintendo hit us up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. Exactly. Uh, we're going to be back uh, with what's hot on gaming right after this break. Izzy, if one of your goals for 2020 was to get a new job in the video games industry, where would you start? I've no idea, but I'm sure you know. Well, I would head to Skill Search. It's their mission to match top talent in the games industry with studios searching for their hard-to-find skills. What makes them so special? Well, their skilled team of niche experts immerse themselves in the world of those they work with, mirroring the studio setup. Oh, and they've just celebrated their 30th birthday. Ah, are they UK-based? No, not at all. Um, They have a global reach working with clients and candidates across Europe, Asia and North America. And, you know, because of their global network in an industry where people willingly relocate for the perfect opportunity, they're skilled not only in helping people find their dream job, but they're also relocation specialists too. They even include city guides in all of their job listings. OK, that's awesome, but how do they know for sure that my skills match their vacancies? Well, Skillsearch understands the people they work with and have excellent insight into the game's job market, thanks to regularly attending industry events and their Salary and Satisfaction Survey. In fact, the Salary and Satisfaction Survey is now in its sixth year, and they've just released this year's report, which you can check out on Gaming Magazine. OK, I'm sold. Maybe I will start job hunting in Skillsearch. Well, go check out skillsearch.com to start looking. There are hundreds of jobs online right now. OK, I'm off. Wait, we have the rest of this podcast to get through first. Too late. I'm going job hunting. Welcome back. Uh, I'm here with Mia and Alex, and this segment is called Best of Gaming. Uh, We're going to talk about our pick of the latest stories from Gaming Magazine. Mia, what has caught your eye this week? Well, a bunch of things caught my eye this week, but the main thing uh, was this wonderful little article uh, written by um, a a person, I don't know if you know them, Amy Hart. Miss Amy. Yeah, Miss Amy. Lovely Mm -hmm. person. Um, And it's uh, Star Wars... High Republic, that announcement that came out. Mm. Yeah, have you, have you? Well, of course you've heard about this. You, you know, you most likely read the article. Possibly. But yeah, this is uh, it's a very interesting announcement, and it's not necessarily a, a video game announcement, but it's the next uh, like big movement for Star Wars after the Skywalker saga mm. has ended. So uh, they're now looking at. Um, stories set in the High Republic. Yes. Which I'm not sure where that takes place in the timeline. Would that be before <laughs> or after the Old Republic? Uh, they reckon it's a couple of hundred years before the Skywalker saga. Right, so it's after the so Old Republic. after the Old Republic. Right, so it's, it's where the Jedi are basically at the height of their power. Yeah, the, pl- the, the place where you kind of want to see them. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of... This is... Yeah, I mean, I, I read the article, I saw the announcements, and I was, I was super, super excited about it because... Mm. I think the Skywalker saga has comfortably outstayed its welcome. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the thing that I'm excited about with the, these, this new setting and this, uh, this new era that they're going to explore is exactly that. You can move away from that, that story that's mm. kind of held the series back yeah. a little bit because now they have the freedom to explore whatever they like. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. Again, while we have no info on it, at yeah. the moment, I'm well. We have a little bit of info. You, put, you have enough to sort of realize mm-hmm. that actually this is a genius move, mm-hmm. because too much of Star Wars has been sort of focused on Skywalker. Stuff. A yeah, a the Skywalkers, 
and that whole in, very incestuous family, <laughs> um, and, and and be um, a, a period of of upset and strife and doom and gloom and all this yeah. sort of stuff. Mm. And it's like that you've been promised the fact that Jedi's all the way through were this big superpower and these hugely powerful sort of like rangers almost of peacekeeping core across the universe. And the only hint you got of it was in the prequels. Um, but by that point, there were just this staid old council that was sort of mainly negotiating trade negotiations. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of, for me, it's like this is a genius move to sort of bring it mm-hmm. a bit. I felt it perhaps, and again, this is all speculation, but it, it had a little hint of Game of Thrones about it. Because oh, with the, okay. I don't know if you saw some of the lightsabers, but they actually had a hilt, like a sword. Oh, did they? Yeah. So okay, they, they well, I didn't notice that. They sort of like metal handle plus a metal hilt, and then the lightsaber bit came out the top of it. Oh, that's super cool. And so you're seeing yeah. all these sort of like multicolored la- um, lightsabers held mm-hmm. aloft, and I just imagine it's a great time of sort of, you could tell so much story there. And yes, mm-hmm. okay, it's not gaming per se, but... If this is the next setting, yeah, then there'll, there'll be some. There'll be a game. There'll be, games there'll be hopefully a film or two, or a Disney Plus series or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that they did say that it's supposed to be kind of like the Jedi version of like the Knights of the Round. Yeah, like, exactly. And like going into those tales, but they also described it as as potentially the Wild West as well, which is a very weird like mesh of two ideas. But, but that's sort of very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it sort of makes sense, and it and does. it picks up a lot on the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. like stunning. A TV concept. Yes. And the most sort of Western themed thing I've ever seen of just this lone traveler going from town to town fixing people's, helping mm-hmm. out fixing people's problems. And I think. I mean, that's I, like the man with no name and. Yeah, and like that, exactly. It's been done a thousand yeah. and one times, but it's done, but this was done beautifully. Yes. Um, and if they can sort of capture a little bit of that essence, mm-hmm. and I think as a storytelling vehicle, having just this almost sort of galaxy force. They can be investigating, they can be fighting evil, mm-hmm. they can be sort of doing all these amazing things. But there's always that suggestion, I think, in the the, the opening pitch that something dark is growing. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm, I just hope to God that isn't like a big evil that's going to come and wipe the Jedi's yeah, out. Yeah, I would hope not. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, like cause the whole light side, dark yeah. side, whole duality there. It's fun because of like the whole yin yang aspect of that. And, you know, like finding balance in the force and stuff. Yeah. Um, but actually seeing like the enemy force that they're presenting forward uh this this group called oh, what was it called the nile mm. i believe um they seem like this outlaw group uh just made up of all these different races and it could potentially go back to that whole idea of like uh, the the mandalorians as well you don't have to be a certain race you just have to follow yes. the code of yeah. the mandalorians and uh some of the concept art that i saw as well there was a gungan uh oh, version oh, wow. of the, the nile but with this really cool face mask on as well and it's like <laughs> Okay, they, they're literally dipping into everything, <laughs> and I'm super excited. Oh, I, I was more excited for seeing a Wookiee holding a, holding a lightsaber. Yeah. I, I was there for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my Gungan outlaw, though. Wookiee versus <laughs> Gungan. Hmm. Interesting. Wookiee's going to win in an absolute huh? heart. Well, that depends on the terrain. Because the Gungan's so. going to be thick and just run into something, probably. <laughs> Hey, that was only Jar Jar Binks. The rest <laughs> of his race wasn't that, you know. You know dumb. what would be an amazing twist, and I think I read this somewhere, so I'm not going to claim credit for it, was if Jar Jar Binks actually turned out to be some sort of sleeper agent. 
Oh, yeah. Like, played thick in the first film and played sort of like a really dumb, cheesy, cl- clownish kind of character in the, th- in the first film. But in the third film, turned out to be this little dark Sith Lord or something. Well, I mean, he did put Palpatine in power. Yes, like, essentially. Yeah, so, true. I won't be more, surprised. More of a puppet than so anything much. else. Mm-hmm. I hate Jar Jar so much. I can't handle Jar Jar Binks. <sighs> I don't know why. I'm... I, I, I feel like I've just blocked most of him out of my memory now. <laughs> the only good thing that J.J. Abrahams ever did was in the first trailer, there was a little lump of sand in the desert. <laughs> and he, he actually pointed out, it's like, well, that's where Jar Jar's buried, and then just carried on with the rest of the trailer. <laughs> and I was like, well, you oh. got that right. I think, I think Jar Jar gets a bad rep, and yeah, he wasn't the best character in the world, and like the amount of hate that like the actor got. That's, yes. For, oh, for, yes. That, for that's, that as well. was that, like That's the upsetting part of all this. I mean, that always seems to be the way, like actors taking flack for their characters in the that's Star true. Wars universe. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that seems to be well, Kelly Marie the case. Tran. Yeah, exactly. Well, having sort of like the amount of shit that was thrown in her direction. Mm-hmm. But um, the great thing about this is that the slate has been wiped clean. So for now. It's now, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until they start piling it back on again. Yeah. It's, uh, it's equal opportunity for, oh, true. for anybody to potentially be hated now, which is, uh, which is yeah, <laughs> exciting. Which is, <laughs> very exciting, really. yes. Yeah, exactly. No, it's something to look forward to, um, and I think it can be a great storytelling device. Last thing to mention Mm. on that, actually, is that this could be fantastic for representation as well. It could. You would hope so. They're not tied down. (laughs) You'd hope so. Again, Disney. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. There'll be, like, some side scenes that they can easily cut. There'll be a lesbian kissing in the background somewhere that they can quickly budge off. uh, (laughs) The usual. I want my trans Jedi that's never revealed to be trans, except it's just in ancillary media. They pull an Overwatch. Yeah, it's in a comic. Do you want it in ancillary? I don't. No, I'm being ironic. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, Jesus, get with the get with the program. No, how how then? Okay, I'm going to be really quickly on time. But how then would you have a trans Jedi authentically portrayed as part of this storyline? Oh, that's a that's a that's a good question. And considering I'm not a writer, um... <laughs> because, because my only, my fear around that is, and, and again, this is this boils back to any kind of authentic storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's it's surely an easier. Um, trick to tell an LGBT, a, a gay or a lesbian or a bi storyline, a purely sexual storyline, mm-hmm. because you can make nice references to their husband or something. Yeah. yeah. But how do you tell a trans storyline without sort of either going in far too sort of like... Going too, too, too far too deep. Too big a boot yeah. on, or without sort of like well, having I think to tell a very deep story that we don't particularly want to get into. Yeah, that's that's a very difficult in a universe mm. like like Star Wars. Um, I mean, like honestly, I take anything, just like a hint at it, you know, like even speculation. And somebody comes out afterwards and says, "Yes, that's that," you know, that's what that character is. I mean, I am starved for that kind of representation <laughs> in like science fiction and movies and like anything like that because again that you do have to walk that tightrope mm. where it's you you don't necessarily want it to be so overt that it seems like it's pandering at the end of the day um it can also go dangerously wrong as well it probably. could True. yeah especially when you don't have the the, the, the correct can, people on the project so there, there could always be a very simple sort of solution around um a race involved that a bit, a bit sort of doctorish in the way they oh, regenerate, yeah. or yeah. A, a way that at least they sort of maybe they're a maybe they're a gender, mm-hmm. maybe they're sort of gender undefined or whatever, or maybe there's a case that somebody has transitioned and maybe somebody addresses them as madam. And that one line is like, oh, I'm still getting used to that. Yeah, and then the rest. I of mean, it that's just that's very subtle, and that's that that be that would be pretty much yeah. 
yeah, noteworthy there. Just I something think, um, to sort of stand out as, oh, what was that? Star Trek did it quite well, I'd say, because like, mm. um, yes, you have, uh, yeah, yeah, from, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it? Deep DS9, Space Nine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, she's like m- multiple, how does that work with, with So the? Um, the Dax symbiote mm-hmm. was a creature that, lived separately but they always have to host in a body yeah so oh. dax had lived through known four or five different bodies mm-hmm. two in deep space nine one in the last series um esri but jadzia obviously they she they made reference to past lives past people that mm-hmm. she'd been but it's not that the symbiote takes over it's a shared experience exactly yeah. so they live symbiotically mm-hmm. um but she could equally make reference to the fact when she was a male Klingon, mm-hmm. when she was previous past lives, scientist and whatever else. And then obviously then going forward, she moved into Esri, yeah. um, who was and another female. Obviously, but. that's not necessarily the trans experience. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little no. out there conceptually, but it's but, a very interesting like take and offers that different perspective. For, which mid, is, for mid-90s, that was yeah. on American TV. Crazy cool. Yeah, it's, to it's see. Ob- that obviously was not the authentic trans experience, no. as, far, as far as I'm aware. I mean, do you have a symbiote living in you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like to talk about it. But... <laughs> um, but equally, from a from a '90s American TV point of view, you have a character referring to when she used to be a male. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a good start down that path. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and I'm saying this from a sort of non-informed point of view. I accept that. Well, but I feel like if if those kinds of stories are cut, are obfuscated by um by science fiction, that's always mm, very true. helpful. Exactly. Yeah. As yeah. well. So again, and, and maybe the, those that exactly. kind of thing could be done. Yeah. The, the world is then surely open for Star Wars to use sci-fi to enhance the sort of. It could be anything. The yeah. trans experience. Yeah. Writing rise. I guess. I don't know if it's easier or harder. Um, because like if we think about cyberpunk, that sort of stuff where you can just choose to modify your body however you want. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a different society. It's more futuristic. You, mm. it's, you're writing for like a different perception. Like people will be completely different socially. Yeah, and cyber, cyberpunk is the the sort of hypersexualized. Whereas Star yeah. Wars is all going to be just shaking hands yeah, and yeah. lying awkwardly in bed, isn't it? It's not going to be. <laughs> lying mm-hmm. It's not going to be hypersexualized, is it? Star and Wars? having <laughs> conversations about sand. Star Wars yeah. after dark. <laughs> anyway, no, we're getting way off topic. Um, lightsaber. No, I'm not going to say that one. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say that one. Uh, move the topic on. Alex, what have you been reading? <laughs> I have gaming? been reading some lovely articles on Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> by Amy. Um, and yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is coming out. Uh, there was there was some some leakage. That sounds horrible, but That's there was disgusting. some leakage. Uh, <laughs> and then I think at PAX recently, they've just shown some gameplay. Yes. yes. Um, it's made by Larian Studios, who did Divinity Original Sin. So I haven't played other Baldur's Gate games. I, I understand there's massive hype around them, but Bioware made the older ones. Um, but this one's by Larian, who made Divinity Original Sin. And I played the crap out of Divinity Original mm. Sin 2 with my boyfriend as well, because you could play multiplayer in that. And I was just sh- shook at that point. There was like a huge game. You can play multiplayer optionally, however much the way through. And um, it sort of, it just feels like a D&D experience. I was going to say, it is D&D, isn't it? Yeah. Baldur's Gate is... Baldur's Gate is like pure D&D. D&D. I think Divinity Original Sin is yeah. a little bit less D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the devs have said they're keeping a lot of D&D stuff in it. It's going to be nice. turn-based. It's going to be amazing. I watched the um, the live-action 
trailer for it and it was way more Cthulhu-y than I was expecting. Mm, and I just made way more excited. There was like a crazy Cthulhu alien putting parasites into goblins and then having a weird spaceship that also has loads of tentacles. That just sounds was, like a good Friday night. Yeah, I mean... Tentacles? Yeah, it's been made on that. Um, Cthulhu monsters, yeah. 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 But yeah, it looks amazing. I'm so excited for it. And also the um, the devs said that they're moving away from a, a Bioware romance model. So what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm assuming it means, because if we think about Mass Effect or the Bioware games, that sort of romancing style was, oh, you say nice things to this person, then you'll mm. get an option to bang them and marry them or whatever. I mean, um, that's how relationships work. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I remember. Oh, I can't remember where I was reading this or hearing this from. I think it was a talk somewhere at some conference. Uh, somewhere in my head, um, I'm I'm just <laughs> the remembering. Voices. Yeah, the voices. voices are telling me <laughs> it was a conference <laughs> in your head. Got it. The voices are telling me that um, like a lot of older romance stuff in games is very binary. It's very like just give them gifts, be nice to them until they just eventually say yeah. Uh, like you. Well, that's life, isn't it? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I mean, yeah, that, that'll that work on me. But they're, they're moving away from that model. Have they given yes. any, any indication? They, of what I don't think they is? have, but I am assuming if it's anything to do with D&D, it'd be more dice rolly. I'm thinking about Disco Elysium, mm. how that sort of like increase your stats, but it's still a dice roll whether <laughs> you're loved or not. <laughs> Will you go to bed with this person? Yeah. Well, let's see what the yeah. dice roll says. R and Jesus, please. What does be the with magic me? eight wow. ball say? I mean, that's like grinder. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you roll the dice and just take <laughs> and take what you get. I A guess. far more realistic experience. From yeah. Late Friday night on grinder, you just roll the dice and see what you're going to get for the day. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> There's no like messaging or anything. It's just a, a coin flip. You just oh, so like poking. Oh, You're yeah. back on grinder again. Oh, yeah. Literally, mm. just like poke and then just roll the dice and <laughs> dick pick, dick pick, and then off we go. Really, isn't it? <laughs> oh god. So I'm not sure how I would want like relationships in games to be um, implemented. It's not really something I've I've given any thought to because we've always been tied down to that whole idea of talk to somebody in a certain way, give them gifts, and try well, and get that's that. That's the relationship. RPG way, isn't it? Yeah. That is literally the keep talking, mm. keep talking, keep talking. I mean, mentioned Grand Theft Auto earlier. That was. Even that is you have to keep talking, keep talking, take them out, take them out for dinner, take them, get consistency. Them drunk. Don't, don't don't get them drunk, um, <laughs> and 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 do all this sort of stuff, and then eventually, um, mm-hmm. they sort of the sex button appears, yeah. um, which is broadly I, reminiscent of real life. Isn't it? Yeah, I do feel like uh, an element of randomness there would potentially. Ha- I can also see that being extremely yeah, frustrating. Yeah, safe scumming will definitely happen, but I feel like it would happen anyways. Like, whenever I do or say something wrong in any game where that's any amount of, like, I'm like, no, go back, <laughs> retreat. Because the, the thing that I, I find a little bit frustrating about games sometimes and romance in games is that the other character just feels like a... Um, a bot. A doll, yeah, yeah. like a doll. An that NPC. You just, <laughs> an NPC that you're just, again, throwing stuff out or talking to in a certain way. They don't feel... <laughs> yeah. Throwing stuff <laughs> Love me, <laughs> yeah. love me. Have you just, played... Um, it's a, quite an old game now. I remember playing it like... I think it's browser-based. A facade? Facade. It's an it, no. AI-based thing. It's not like a full-on like 20-hour game or whatever. It's just this little AI experiment where you go into a couple's house for dinner... And they, there's like actual. Did, did they invite you? Or did they you invited go, okay, you. Cool. 
<laughs> you don't just infiltrate. Just, hello, I'm here for well, I assume so. You're like knock on the door, they come in. It's it's quite like low low graphics or whatever, mm. and they're like two D sprites, I think. I think. Um, but basically, you can type whatever you want to them, and it's. Have you ever uh, heard of Cleverbot or anything like that, where it's like an AI that will respond to you? Oh, yes. There was, oh, God, how long ago I'd was say that? it's a mix between a that and, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, uh, there's pre-recorded voice lines, but you could just say whatever you want. In the like, very, I like very early days of, of, of sort of AI, I think it was even when I was at school, mm. there was a couple of programs or websites or something where you could try to have a conversation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the system yeah. would do its best to try to respond to you. Yeah. But unfortunately, being school kids, you're just telling it to fuck off all the time. And it's yeah. like, I don't know how to do that. Well, with facade, if you like go in and say, fuck off, go yeah. away, um, they'll kick you out. They'll, they'll like be really offended. Oh, like, really? How dare you leave? It's Yeah, it's quite smart the smash, way it's been done. Smash your face in the spaghetti bolognese and throw your exactly. out. I would love like some kind of implementation like that, yeah. for instance. Because again, even like dating sim games, they're just based on like yeah. the correct responses. Yeah. Yeah. Like for something that's supposed to be a simulator, you'd think there would be more elements of like randomness or even programmed AI responses that are, yeah. are more, that that you can't predict. Like, make it more unpredictable, essentially. Yeah. Like, so know. if you tell someone to fuck off, they're like, oh, I like it when you talk to me dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? What? Like, oh, is that your character trait? Okay. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that, like, no, like, companies or, or, or developers are, have been mm. going down that route. Maybe that's a new idea. Well, there you go. You heard Death it here. Scan you heard it here Next first. Um, I have been reading um, an article that I wrote. So it's not really... <laughs> I read it as I wrote it, and then I wrote it, and then I read it again. Um, it's basically, I mentioned it earlier, it's about the Borderlands. Gay marriage, AAA, we love when AAAs yeah. get mm-hmm. the LGBT content, and we, we should stop saying gay marriage because it's just marriage, but in this context, it's two guys getting married. Yeah. Mm. In a AAA game, as a DLC, it's the story. You can't avoid it. You can't choose other romance options to get around it. This is a game that you that's have the to main play, event. Mm-hmm. and that's it. And it has sent the internet wild in horrible <laughs> tweeting and comments <laughs> on YouTube and Instagram <laughs> comments and everything else. Um, we'll talk about what some of the funniest ones I've seen in a second, but just <laughs> Ooh, for the ones... Yes, please. Yes, uh, just for the uh, people, just for a little heads up. So um, one of the characters, Alistair Hammerlock, is marrying his boyfriend, Wainwright Jacobs. Um, and on 26th March, you can download this uh, campaign add-on which is amazingly called Guns, Love and Tentacles The Marriage of Wainwright and Hammerlock mm. uh, I mean that's an amazing name anyway we're back, to, ten- we're back good, to bloody yeah. tentacles again yeah. um, I mean this is this is just sort of like an amazing thing and it's great obviously it happens all the time and it's great when it happens anywhere in gaming but for a triple A to sort of come out mm-hmm. and do this is uh, a huge move Borderlands 3 has been fantastic in terms yes. of like integrated representation uh in general so like to see like a a dlc focus on that aspect uh of of like characters and that relationship that the two of them had it was probably one of my favorite relationships within the entire game i'll tell you what was interesting about the the alistair hammerlock one Mm. um is that it's a perfect example of one of my little pet things which is about authentic representation yeah Mm. because it was a throwaway line in Borderlands 2 mm-hmm. where yeah. he talks about his ex-boyfriend. And if you blinked, and or you didn't blink your ears, but if you didn't hear it properly or you're putting the kettle on or whatever... If you overlooked it. It yeah. will just yeah. pass you by. And 
I think that is authentic representation. Mm. Yeah. People talk about their boyfriend, the world keeps turning. There's no sort of like huge burst of rainbow that fills the sky. There's no exactly. confetti cannons or anything else. It just is. It's not normal. played up. It's integrated it into just the world exists. naturally. Exactly. And it yeah. just exists. That's my favorite type of representation. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Borderlands, I mean, I've, I've written probably some would say far too much about it, but I, I've written a few sort of things about um, my Pride on Pandora article, which lists out all of the LGBT mm. people in Borderlands across from Borderlands 1 all the way through all yeah. the other stuff as well. And there was <laughs> some of the comments, it was. I, I said I was coming back to this. So <laughs> the comments on like YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, they were all sort of focusing on the, well, I'm not playing Borderlands 3 anymore. And, and, and the funniest <laughs> one was like, the, the, the funniest one was a couple of people that were like, I'm just going to stick to Borderlands 2 then. It's like, you know he was gay in 2 yeah. as yeah. well as in 3 and as well as in all the others. And it's just like, people going, oh, I'm just going to stick to Borderlands 2. We were there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a hell of a lot of games. And also, yeah. like, did they not play Borderlands 3? <laughs> Did yeah. they not aware of that of, of yeah. the, the, the I'm representation? Not, I'm not going to go out and buy this DLC for a game I didn't play. It's yeah. Like, well, yeah, of course you're not going to. They'll say <laughs> they'll stop playing it, but they've already stopped playing it because yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. because something else pissed them off earlier. I mean, yeah. if they could get if they could get to the point of needing to have a DLC, yeah, they'd have already encountered a heller amount of queer content. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you meet Lorelai, yeah. um, our amazing trans Brit character, voiced by a trans Brit character uh, mm. actor. Yes, um, who I love, who yeah. I want to marry. Yeah, Kieran, <laughs> Kieran Strange. Within the first, I think it's within the first hour or two of gameplay, mm-hmm. um, you come across them. She's and the best character in that game. I'm she is, saying. and 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 sort of that the attitude and the sort of and we're talking about bad bitches. Mm-hmm. That sort of punk attitude. There's no sort of hesitation. Really confident. Mm-hmm. Great kind of icon for a real good sort of trans mm-hmm. character. If you've got through the game and you're complaining about a DLC, you've already encountered her. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> like, so what are we? So where are we now? But marriage? Ooh, can't have two people being happy together. Oh, just to touch on like authentic representation. I played Tacoma mm. all the way through. It's so good. There's um, there's. Do you know? Do you know anything? No, I went mm, and tried oh, okay. to encourage. You. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to encourage. Tacoma. I've definitely played that game. <laughs> just encourage you keep talking. I think it's the same devs as Gone Home. I think oh, okay. it's Fulbright. Interesting. Pre- uh, yeah, mm. it is. It is. It is. Um, ah, okay. And this one's like on a space station. You're going around figuring out what's happened. Everyone's like escaped slash evacuated slash died. Don't know what's okay. going on. Um, so you go through and like everything's been recorded by an AI. So you'd walk into a room and there'd be ghost versions of them in a scene, like acting sort of. So you just walk around, figure out what's going on, what the, what's this conversation about, uh, look at their computer, rummage oh, through their it, stuff. It is basically gone home. Gone home, but like... Yeah. In, space. In, in space. Gone home. Gone home in space. In space with more voice acting and stuff, pretty much, with more characters. Like, yeah. um, you'd walk into a room, you'd have to play all the way through, but you can only hear like the characters in mm-hmm. like one certain area, and then you'd have to rewind it all, go to another character that's separately oh, slightly further away okay, yeah. they might be talking about something else you're just trying to figure out what's going on so you're like patching those stories together. yes it's mm-hmm. so good um but two two of the characters in that are together and it's it's a really beautiful romantic relationship um and they've already been together for like a year wait and so that is that something that you have to like patch together that you don't necessarily know straight away it's or? a very um it's i wouldn't say it's in your face but they're, they're like hold hands they cuddle oh. um like as as the ships like crashing down or whatever, they get more and more. Yeah. It's it's very nice and tragic mm. and 
romantic. And then there's another character where it's less obvious, where he's just on the phone talking to his son. And if you like look through his computer or whatever, you find out that he's gay and he's married and he was talking to his partner as well at one mm. point. But it was it's very you'd have to like search a little bit more, but it was still like completely normal. No one else reacted badly to it around him. And it was it was just a great diverse cast. That's cool. We're just going to take a really quick pause for a break. Um, interesting talking about uh, couples and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. When we come back after the break, obviously our hot topic this week is talking about LGBT couples in games. So we'll take a break. Before we do, though, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention <laughs> the, the Hammerlock DLC featuring my main girl, Gage. I'm so yes, glad that she's course. back. Yes. Gage is so, back? Gage yeah, is back oh, with, with Death Trap. Exactly. With yes. Death Trap. And there's, is it, oh, I should know this. It's not particularly clear yet whether she's playable. Uh, she probably won't be playable. No. I, I doubt which she'll is, be playable. Which is a real shame. Which is a shame. I'm, I, is my I, favorite. Yeah, my favorite I mained on Gage all the way through Borderlands mm-hmm. 2 because of Death Trap. I replayed that game because she came out you can, like, later. You can, so. trick, you can trick Death Trap up. Exactly. Um, to basically, you can just stand there. Yeah, just and run around. It, it just wanders <laughs> off and goes and slaughters the entire field and comes back with like pet it on the head and then just walk through to the next level. But So, I mean, not that anybody who has a problem with the DLC would be listening to this, but if you did, <laughs> it has gauge. It has so. gauge, yes. <laughs> right, can we take a break now? Yeah. Cool, right, back in a bit. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm still here with Alex and Mia. We always finish up the podcast with our Hot Topic segment, and as I said just before the break... Um, we're going to talk about LGBT couples in games. Um, this obviously picks up from the Hammerlock and Wainwright news coming out late last week. Um, obviously, major AAA game um, having that thing is brilliant. Um, remembering even right back to Fallout 2 back mm. in 1998. That, that was, far back? Yeah. Interesting. That, that was the believed to be, I should say, the first sort of major game that actually mentioned or included, I should say, um, gay marriage. Oh, that's so cute. In 1998. Yeah, exactly. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So we're celebrating LGBT couples. Um, I'm going to go first with my favorite one. Now, Night in the Woods is quite an overlooked kind of game. Like it's, it's rare to find people that have really played it and enjoyed it. Mm. I haven't played it. I haven't played it. <laughs> so I'm already in good company. Um, I've heard it's fantastic. Though. Same. Like. It's, it's, from, from an art point of view, it's beautiful. Mm. It's it's almost a bit... It's, it's pure 2D. It's great animation. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's an adventure exploration game um, with actually some really good examples and representations of bisexuality and mental illness. Not, mm-hmm. not connected. Um, but... I, I love a game that can help not only represent LGBT issues, but also mental health issues. There is, there's too few games that actually, that are out there that actually tell authentic stories around mental health. Yeah. This is one of them. This is really good. Um, but the two characters, Angus and Greg, um, is where the heart of the game lies. They are a quintessential uh, rural gay couple in their 20s. Um, and I think... I say quintessential rural because it. I, th- I think in the game they realise that the dating pool is quite small. Yeah. So <laughs> they, it's that small rural town, isn't it? So right, exactly. Um, and it's a sort of small and conservative town as well. Um, but the the bond that they have is is more than just 
he'll do. It's it's like it's really really deep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really meaningful, and they're just constantly looking out for each other's best interests, mm. um, which is absolutely adorable. Um, but I think what sort of elevates it for me, and this is probably going to sound a little bit weird, is it has layers. Yeah. Their, their relationship has layers. It's not just here's a gay couple. It, it's it's you hear Greg talking a lot about how he doesn't deserve Angus, and you don't see that a lot in no. in media, yeah, particularly with queer, particularly with queer relationships. You see it quite a lot with straight relationships, but with queer relationships, they try to sort of peg it as a very balanced kind of. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, happily in love. A lot of the time, I see it's like it's almost as like a perfect relationship between any yeah. queer characters. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. I don't know if it's just kept surface level for some. Maybe they just didn't want felt comfortable writing more into it, but Night th- in the I, Woods definitely yeah. goes deeper. Yes, and, and and I think it's not even a case that like it, it could be something simple as this is just a gay relationship. But I think a lot of writers say this is a gay relationship and just stop. Whether that's mm-hmm. because of their naivety, whether it's because they don't want to have to write that for fear of getting it wrong, which mm-hmm. is absolutely right, yeah. or whether they just don't understand a gay relationship and think that we're all sunshine and rainbows and mm-hmm. and nothing could possibly go wrong. Or the flip side of it is that everything goes wrong and it's a really toxic relationship. Yeah. There isn't this sort of layered, nuanced relationship where one person feels uh, they don't deserve the other person. And, I, and in, in this instance... It's it's very much Greg um, basically feeling like he's just trash and he doesn't deserve Angus as his mm. boyfriend. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. In I mean, various points of our lives, I think we can always relate to that. And I think that's what adds this this real sort of really great layer. I know it sounds mm. odd. No, I mean, that sounds incredibly refreshing mm. to like yeah, deal definitely. with two characters in a relationship like that. I mean, for so long... Uh, most writing with gay characters has, has been very stereotypical in terms of like representation and stuff. So having a layer of well, more layers of complexity complexity there is is is, is potentially fantastic. I would love to see more stuff like that in other yeah, games. I think what makes it sort of extra extra good is it, it, it's not that this isn't a dating thing. Mm-hmm. This isn't like will he love me? Won't he love me? Yeah. This is you pick the game up, and they have been in relationship for a, a fair few mm-hmm. years. It's a very solid, established relationship. So again, it it kind of jumps that trope of it's not a dating sim. It's not like a will he won't he he'll love me. Mm-hmm. They are together. They they adore each other. They absolutely, as I said, they're constantly looking out for each other. But there is still this shift in dynamic where one just does not think they're good enough. Yet they've been in a, a long term sort of mm. stable relationship and mm. I, I just I think those purely from a sort of like a relationship that you really really look at and go wow this is something beyond the normal kind of yeah. I'm going to talk about my boyfriend and I'm going to stop there because that's all we can possibly do in a game the layering in this purely on telling that sort of mechanic is is absolutely beautiful that's it's interesting that you say that because that kind of like links into my choice a little mm. bit um, which was the implementation of uh, Ellie and Riley's relationship from The Last of Us. Yep. And like that game itself, um, the, the focus of the game obviously was not on any kind of relationship yeah. between Ellie and anybody else, but like her struggle after the fact, her struggle just going through that post-apocalyptic landscape. Um, obviously you have hints of like LGBT relationships that have come and gone and, and dealing with like loss and stuff that happened to multiple characters. Uh, there is a character whose name I forget who is heavily hinted at as being um, gay and had a boyfriend uh, where they 
they uh, find like a a porno mag in his car afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's a guy porno mag, and he's yeah. talking about his partner <laughs> that he lost. Um, but what really what I really appreciated about that is seeing the effect retroactively on the game going back because they released a DLC afterwards called Left Behind. Yeah, I believe yeah. that's what it was called. Yes, and it was, it was basically the last. Uh, day that Ellie and Riley shared and they never really had like a relationship together until that point mm. and it became very tragic obviously it's kind of the, the dead girlfriend kind of uh, yeah. trope yes but I feel like in that sense the, the last of us two sort of the trailer of that mm. is, is yeah. I worry about troubling. that a little bit we um, see. but I, I do think that the again it's about layers mm. I, I think it, it could be all bloody doom and gloom or it could all be sort of Let's just go absolutely mental because it's our last tour. Yeah, I but mean, actually, there's some really, really heartwarming, touching yes, moments, those moments like sharing sort of those storybooks and yeah, loads of other little bits. It's the little hints that they like add in there, and the fact that they've known each other for so long, and like they both. I mean, spoilers for that. If uh, I can go there, is that they both get bitten, and if you get bitten, you're yeah. essentially dead they in this post-apocalyptic landscape. Yeah. Um, and they just accept it and say, well, let's lose our minds together. Mm. And uh, it's kind of beautiful, uh, even though it's like two characters which are, you know, underage. Um, but they're they're more adult, I, I guess, in yeah. the way they think because they're in this landscape. So, yeah. But I don't think there's any... I think relationship... I, I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you, you don't have to... People sort of lose their shit a little bit about the whole underage thing. Yeah. But I think it's non-sexual and it's a, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a relationship... It's, focus rather than exactly a sort of, a there's nothing there's nothing there that's like sexual sort and of towards exactly. yeah or like I, I think to show or anything like that that's it exactly yeah. it's it, i think you can celebrate any relationship mm -hmm. at any age and i think yes they probably had to grow up a bit fast mm -hmm. to survive in the environment they're in definitely but finding those what sets it apart again is finding those moments of togetherness and those moments of sort of like just cute just spending that little bit of time and mm -hmm. i think that I think that sort of represents a lot of people's relationships. Like people can be going through some shit and people can be going through some hard times, whether it's at work or whether it's anything else. But spending that hour together sat on the sofa watching a TV show or, or watching your favorite uh, film or, or playing a game or whatever, just that moment of solitude, no matter what's going rest, what, yeah, what the rest mm. of your life is, yes. is it, oh God, what is going on in the rest of your life? Wow, we got there. Um, <laughs> you can spend those two sort of moments just sat in sort of that calming kind of loving way with your partner. Mm -hmm. Or having a water gun fight. <laughs> yeah. e either or, or both at the same time. Yeah. A sneaky water gun fight. <laughs> <laughs> just a sneaky one with those little like 50p plastic pistols that are just like the size of a yeah. finger. Yeah, it's exactly. A, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, move, let's move that one on. I can feel my brain going the wrong way. Um, Cool, Last of Us. Um, Alex, what is your favourite? I guess there, there is a few. I mean, I did mention Tacoma before and the way that that was portrayed. Both LGBT relationships and that was so nice and just heartwarming to see people loving each other, having fun together and also going through trauma but supporting each other throughout it. Um, I also really liked... Uh, me and Dorian <laughs> in a Dragon Age Inquisition. That was fun. I wouldn't say that's like, uh, uh, you know, a main 
partnership or a, a, a really well-written narrative, but there's some aspects such as like when Dorian was uh, uh, coming out to his family or like worried about not being accepted by his family. Um, which well, That's kind of unique because you, you don't really get those exactly. experiences in, so in it, games usually. Yeah, so it pretty, it pretty resonated, especially as like you're there to be his support. Um, same with like uh, Pravati in Outer Worlds, almost at Worlds every time, <laughs> where like you're supporting her on her like journey into like getting her first girlfriend. Actually, maybe not. I think she mentioned like having like not lovers, but relationships mm. before. But she, this was like her first like main one and yep. you had to support her the whole way and she was constantly worried and you, you could choose to be mean to her or whatever. But... I definitely didn't, and no, it no. was yeah, that was great as well. Um, any others? Gone home. That was well, amazing. You, said, you mentioned gone home. I did mention gone we're home. We're talking about Tacoma, but but like the way you're viewing that isn't through like uh, I've well, it's extremely well implemented. In yeah, there exactly. because it's it's not the direct focus. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the direct. It's like an yeah. indirect focus of the game because you're piecing that story together yeah. by exploration exactly and it's not like it's never put in your face and you don't really find out until and yeah on you're not game, like manipulating so. anything to do with that relationship either mm-hmm. it's already happening you're you're just finding it out as you go along so that's mm-hmm. that's quite a unique uh thing as well and it seemed like the relationship between those two people in gone home was lovely and supportive mm-hmm. i don't know I, I feel like it's an old game but i still don't want to spoil it because it's just so <laughs> it's so great well an on, honorable mention from my side um is uh, Chloe and Rachel from Life is Strange. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, obviously, Before the Storm, um, mm. which is the sort of the middle one, which was mm. the prequel. Again, one. I've never played any of the Life is Strange <laughs> well, games. Okay. I've seen some of the gameplay, though, the first one. So. But I think what's equally heartbreaking about the whole sort of... Obviously, Life is Strange, we know where that's going. Yeah. Mm. But Before the Storm was meant to be the sort of prequel where everything was fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what what adds a certain melancholy almost to that is the fact that you know what's coming for these characters and so they're living a fantastic kind of indie sort of americana (laughs) sort of relationship (laughs) which has amazingly cute moments but it's always tinged or somber yeah it's always tinged with a bit of sadness because if you've played the game Mm -hmm. in order you know what's going to happen and it's tragic um so an honorable mention to those two um (laughs) But also, I think we're missing the the obvious one here, people, um, which is Birdo and Yoshi. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. Get my we trans stand. representation in there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the earliest example of trans representation, I believe, um, or one of them. Um, and, yeah, hanging out with Yoshi, making eggs. <laughs> making eggs. Making eggs. What more, what more do you need? Um, look, there's, there's been loads of stupid examples um, of sort of these things, but there's been some great ones too. Yeah. Um, and I think every... Every attempt, every, every sort of amplification of the sort of the queer way in games is inherently a good thing. Mm. Um, there have been obviously a lot of examples, and we can talk about that on a different episode, <laughs> maybe about where it's not been executed properly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the, the one thing I will point out is that when I was like, looking into like at the different types of relationships that there were, is that there aren't as many as I would have thought Same. and would have liked. Yes. And, and yeah. I guess that's just making me... <laughs> excited for the future because it be, like yep. again it's more so within the last decade that it's become definitely more of a thing, yeah. easily as uh, you're absolutely right in terms of relationships that's really interesting because there have been like oodles now of 
uh, LGBT characters. Mm-hmm. But whether then from a choice from the writers that they didn't decide not to sort of flesh out their backstory or didn't bring their story into the game. Maybe they were just like, well, we've got one. That's enough. Is, that's all we need. Exactly. Yeah. There's the quota done. There's, yeah, that's, that's that done. Let's tick that box. Um, but in the same way as there can be stereotypical issues around how they cast LGBT people in game as well as in media. True. As the evil character and the sort of the weirdo, the one that's mm. up to no good, the sort of the outcast and all this sort I of mean, stuff. I mean, you're just explaining me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> that's the end of our episode. A big thank you to my guests, Alex and Mia, for joining me. And an even bigger thank you to you all for listening. Uh, we're going to be back in two weeks' time with the next episode. In the meantime, keep up with all the LGBTQ video gaming stories on Gaming Magazine. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We now also have a Discord. Don't ask me what the Discord link is. Um, it changes every time. <laughs> go to the website, find the Discord article, click. Go to our social media. We tweet about it. We Facebook about it every few days. Click it. Come and join the fun. Come and hang out with the queers in the gaming Discord channel. There are loads of different ways and means to interact with each other. Um, there's a pets channel. Um, so you can share your pitch with your pets. You can gossip about uh, movie stuff, TV stuff, and Amy's somewhere talking about tabletop. Uh, and Sonic's teeth, and, and most Sonic's likely. Sonic's teeth, more than yeah. ranting on about that all the time. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, so come and join the Discord. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we have some exclusive competitions on there as well that occasionally yeah. little giveaways. Ooh. So yeah, come and join us on that. We are at Gaming Mag on Facebook and Twitter. Go to there, find the Discord link, click the Discord link, join us on Discord. Uh, also, while you're clicking things, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of our new episodes. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>